0: Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, would you guys stand up with me? They're great up there. Isn't that a great video production? We're so, so blessed. So blessed. I know that we've already had worship service. That's okay. Worship service this morning. Thank you so much for being here. If you want to turn in your Bibles to James chapter 4, verses Verse 17 is where we'll begin this morning. And uh, I'd like to say welcome if you're a guest. Thank you so much for being here. We're glad that you're with us. Uh, Thank you for joining us online. You guys are a part of this and we love you so very much. James here, as we conclude our series, Scattered But Not Separated, James is speaking at the end of chapter 4, and it goes great with chapter 5, which is what we're going to uh, study this morning. And uh, throughout the season, we can feel separated, we can feel scattered, but uh, we don't have to be, amen? Amen. Yeah, just because they're feelings doesn't mean we have to have to live that way. And James is teaching us some things and warning some things that can happen. So here, if we look in James chapter 4, verse 17, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Pretty easy, amen? Yeah, we can, we can really put ourselves in a bind if we think about it too much. But if we know to do good and to do bad, it is a sin. And as we study chapter 5, that's all the information that James gives us, things that we already know. Let's bow our heads. Father, our hearts are bowed. Speak to us through your words. Use me this morning, God. We feel your presence and we're grateful for that. And everyone says, amen. amen, in the name of Christ. You may be seated. Go ahead and look at your neighbor one more time, especially if it's your spouse, let them know. But man, I'm glad you came to church with me this morning. Yeah, if they're not your spouse, make them feel good anyways. As I was reading this and preparing for this, it's, uh, it's really funny as James does chapter 5 and he writes chapter 5 because I'm going to tell you a bunch of stuff you already know. How many of you guys have already heard a bunch of stuff you already know? Oh, yeah, if you have teenagers, you hear stuff you know, I'll, I'll just stay out of that. Mm-hmm. But regularly, regularly, because what I found is the older I get, the smarter my parents get. Can I get an Amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And James is telling us some things. And as I was reading chapter 5, I was thinking of how James is telling us of things we already know we need to do. And it brought me back to a memory of my mother and dad. And you guys are going to join me in this. If you had moms like I had, if you had a mom like I had and a dad like I had, they have momisms. Does anybody have any momisms? Yeah, and dadisms, you know they're going to say it, and they say it anyways. Right? So here's some that I learned um, from my mom. You have to watch out the mom voice, right? Because your mom says brush your teeth and get out of bed, you know, and it's that mom voice that carries. I mean, neighbor kids are running down, you know, it's going across the neighborhood because they have that voice. How about this one? Were you born in a barn? Yeah. I'm not asking. I'm telling. Yeah, and they do the head nod, you are like, ah, it's about to get real up in here, okay? Who did this? So we had four brothers and sisters growing up in my household. There were six of us, two parents, and four brothers and sisters. So my mom could ask that, who did this? Unfortunately, in my household, Callie doesn't have that luxury because she's my only child. And Princess, my dog, can't really color on the wall. So I kind of got that narrowed down, you know? So, but who did this? And then finally, I love the one of my, my mom used to always tell me, I guess if everyone jumped off a bridge, you would too. But mom, everybody's doing it. I don't care. You're not everybody. Right? Same type of thing. Then my dad. Oh, the famous line. Go ask your, go ask your mother, son. Yeah. You already know that they're going to say this before you ask them questions. or Before the event happens, it just is going to happen. How about this one, dads? Money doesn't grow on trees. Yeah. Look at your paycheck and see how much the government gets of that. I'd use this one at Cali all the time. You know, Cali, when I was your age. <laughs> I love that one. You know how many kids in Africa don't get it? Oh, she hates it. It's funny, though. It's funny, though. When I was your age, how about this one? When you pay the rent, you get to make the rules, son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And finally, my, my favorite one of dads is this one. It builds character. You, you know, blood's running out of your nostril. Your finger's barely hanging on. Blood's pumping out of your, you know. You'll be okay. It builds character. What doesn't kill you makes you... Yeah, yeah, that's an updated version of that, I guess, right? But we all have these mom and dad-isms, and if you're a teenager, you know exactly what we're talking about. As I become more um, more of a parent, as I get older and more mature in my parenting, I said I would never do things, and I stop in mid-sentence and be like, I sound like my parents, you know what I mean? And, uh, and we do that, but we have these momisms and dadisms that we can bank on. And here James is helping us understand that. In James chapter 5, he really just goes back and, and shows us some things that we already know, which kind of sums up the book. And he's talking to a wide range here uh, of people. And he's saying, I'm going to tell you some stuff that you already know. One of the first things that we see James tell us is, number one, faith in God alone. That we have to be single-minded in our tendency. To worship Christ, in, in, in chapter five, verses one one through six, it, it talks about this. Let's concentrate on verse five here. If you have ever lived on the earth, uh, you have lived on the earth in luxury and in self indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. Now, now James is talking to some people of wealth. He's talking to some people of substance who have used that wealth and substance to, to do nothing more than push themselves further away from God, or some of them has even used Christianity to pad their pockets and make their bank accounts larger. Sounds like some preachers I occasionally see on TV. I'll say it, you don't have to. And James is writing to these people who do that type of stuff. And saying, listen, you cannot do that. What is he, sh- he, what is he saying? You must have faith in Christ alone. Because what we have a tendency to do is reach for things when we feel scattered. When we feel separate, we have the tendency to reach for things. And, and wealth and material possessions are some of those things we reach for, and then we begin to make them God. See, what James is not saying here is he's not condemning wealthy people. He's not saying you can't be wealthy. He's not saying that wealth is the enemy. He he doesn't say that you have to live in some kind of meager circumstances to really be a Christian. He's not saying that. What he's saying is as you have substance, as you have wealth, you need to use it for Christ. And he was using this to uh, use it as he was talking to these people who were not doing that. And from that we can glean that whenever we have blessings in our life, we use it to further the kingdom of God. We do not exalt that above God. But it's easy to do that. It's easy to do that. So what he's doing, he's dressing these people who, who are rich. And he's saying, listen, don't have the form of Christianity, but not the responsibility. Don't have the form of Christianity without the responsibility. Because whenever we serve Christ, it's not just for our betterment. Amen? Okay, because Christ is going to lead me down some roads. It's going to tear me down so he can build me back up. And if I'm only in it to be built back up, built back up, built back up, then that's not truly Christianity because I find the closer I get to Christ, the more I find out I'm not like him, but the more I want to be like him. Can I have an amen? And that's what he's talking about. Listen, you can't do that, but we all fall into this. Why? Because sometimes we grasp at what we see. We attach ourselves to what we think we deserve. As we learned last week, some of the things that we attach ourselves to, maybe we didn't know it as well as we thought we did, amen? And he goes on and he's teaching them. He's saying, Listen, there's some reality. We will be held accountable. He says, Riches, he's talking to these people of wealth, and he's saying, Listen, your riches have rotted. Moss has eaten your garments. Silver and gold will rust, and your flesh will be eaten by all of these. And he's saying, Death will pursue because this is what you've put your hope into. He mentions, there's a mention of this again in Revelations 3 and 17 at the church of Laodicea. It's a lukewarm church, and this is what Scripture says. It says, for you say, so we're talking to the people in the church, and the church is saying, for you say, I am rich. So the people in the church are saying, we are rich, I have prospered, I need nothing. But Christ shows us that really, they're wretched, they're pitiful, they're poor, they're blind, and they're naked. Exactly the same thing James says whenever we begin to put our hope and our dreams into material possessions and tend to wealth. And then we spin it. And this is the thing, that whenever we get our focus off of Christ and we don't make him number one, what happens? The enemy comes in like a flood. Anybody ever been flooded by the enemy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we know that the only one that can build that hedge of protection is Jesus Christ, son of the living God. He builds the standard. He keeps the flood. He keeps the enemy out. Whenever people have taken all their faith and their hope and put it into material possessions, those things don't keep it at bay very long, do they? Oh, they might have a form of it for a little while, but then the flood comes again. And whenever you're in misery... Because that's what it'll be. That's what he's showing us here. And you throw money at it, you'll never be able to get out of misery because the one who can deliver you from misery is Jesus Christ and push them away because put our faith and hope in material possessions. And this is what I know about misery. Misery loves company. So the money might help you out of that first dose of misery, but who's going to help you out of that second dose? Because we can't act like money doesn't help you. Can't act like stuff doesn't help you. You can sell some stuff and get some more money and get some bills paid. Come on now. But when that second wave of misery comes, and misery loves company. But whenever we put our faith and our hope in Jesus Christ, we know that that's who we truly look for. So we do the things that we know. We pray, we seek. We listen, we constantly challenge ourselves, Christ. I'm making sure that I'm following you and you alone, that I'm not becoming, becoming uh, lukewarm. Because verse chapter five, you had fat in your hearts in the day of slaughter. Because whenever we put our hope and we put those positions first, what we do is we don't get ready for the fight that's about to take place. And we face a slaughter. And that's really, really difficult to handle, isn't it? But whenever we put our faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone, then we know we've gone to the right source, even when it doesn't feel like it. Amen? The second thing that we see here is we see this ideal of wait your turn. Now, how many of you guys have grandkids and kids, and you've said, now it's not your turn, just wait? Okay, how many of you guys have trouble waiting your turn? (laughs) Yeah, buddy. (laughs) I don't know, six months ago, we went out to the beach for um, our vacation, and I rode my bicycle about two and a half miles to pick up some donuts. Kind of an oxymoron, I know, right? <laughs> but it, it, was, it made me feel good, so I did it. So I get up there, I'm waiting in line. These are supposed to be you know, great donuts, and they are, let me tell you, they were really good. Nothing like eating a donut on the beach, man, I'm telling you. Makes any donut taste better, okay? But I'm out there, and this guy shows up on a golf cart. And he cuts in front of me. And I'm thinking, you didn't even ride a bicycle. <laughs> and you cut in front of me like you've been here the whole time. And I want to tell him that, but I don't because I'm a Christian. <laughs> but internally, I'm having this fit because I don't like people, people cutting in line if you think about what's going to happen this Friday. Oh, Black Friday. Yeah, you're not excited either. I feel you. Thank God for Cyber Monday. Get to stay in my house. Yeah, yeah. Praise the Lord, anointed. But people can't wait in line. They have all these these issues and they they don't want to wait their turn. And you have crazy stuff like people dying over TVs. Good Lord. You know, I was reading one story where an officer got bit by somebody. And they have these doorbuster deals where people run over carts and all kinds of stuff to get in there, and it's crazy. A funny story that I heard was a lady said that on Black Friday, the air conditioning went out, and they were in a hot place, so the room was like 95 degrees, and she said it must have been as close to hell as she's ever been, because you have all these crazy people in there yelling in 95 degree weather. And I was thinking, oh, this is what happens, but people can't wait their turn, and this is what it says in verse eight. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Jesus or James is teaching us we have to wait our turn. We have to be patient, and that's hard in suffering. And sometimes you go through suffering that you didn't ask for. You go through suffering that's not because of sin. You go through suffering because it's a product of life of the fallen world. Now, some of the suffering that we enter in is because of sin. But not everything, we have no right to look at somebody's suffering and say if they get out of sin, they wouldn't have suffering because I have no idea what they're going through. And that's proven in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And I'm not yelling at you guys, but if there are any doubters out there that thinks because you got a little bit of suffering, it's because somebody's got sin, you're sitting in the seat of Christ, and I wouldn't do that. And here we're seeing that people are suffering. I mean, think about this. People are spread out all over because they've seen their loved ones die. People have been burned and all kinds of crazy stuff at the stake. I mean, I mean, they've seen this kind of stuff. And he's saying, still, amidst all that, you have to be patient. Why? Because when we're not patient, here's a couple of things. When we're not patient, we make hasty decisions. We, we promise things that we can't deliver. In the moment, we're so wound up, yeah, I'll do it. And then two hours later, we can't do it, or two weeks later, and people wind up getting hurt. We, we get vision that's clouded. The Lord's trying to do something through us and our, our vision is, is so clouded because we're trying to get it done right now. And let me tell you something, millennials and x this is extremely hard for you because you've grown up in a world that you can get it tomorrow. That's the reason why we have to stay connected to the old. That's the reason why we have to stay connected to the experience that will sit down, men and women that will sit down with us and say, listen, I know you want it in the next year, but it took me 20 years or it took me five years or it took me 10 years. So hang on with 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 both hands because suffering sometimes take a little while amen and that's the reason why we can't divide the old and the new amen but we're a church we come together that gets me excited because i know it's true and we walk in patience but this is what happens when we do Chapter 5, verse 11, behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job. You have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. What do we see? Whenever we walk in patience, we wait our turn. We wait until God is going to propel us. We wait until God pulls us from the suffering. Now, we pray and we believe, but whenever we're patient, it says that we walk in blessing. We are blessed, and I'd rather have the Lord's blessing upon my life than my own way, Upon my life even if it doesn't look like I think it should look like or feel like I think it should feel amen the blessing of God is always better we'll also have our wits the steadfastness of Job Job in the Old Testament was a, was a, was, was a man who loved Christ it said that he was perfect as a man could be and he lost everything. He lost, he lost all, of, all of his material possessions. He, he lost his family. I mean, he lost, lost. Not like I, I hit a deer in my car and now I don't know what I'm going to do. You know what I mean? But like lost, lost everything. Sitting in a pile of ashes, still believing that God is who God said he is, despite it doesn't look. And he had that steadfastness because he believed in God. He believed that God is who he said he was. And that's what happens whenever we're patient. We have our wits. Because a lot of people came up against Job and said, why don't you just curse God and die? Oh, God's left you, blah, blah, blah. And he refused to do it. It is so easy in the midst of that stuff, right, to start wondering where God went. But we can't do that. And then we see what Christ is doing. What does Scripture say? It says we see the purpose of the Lord, and we also encounter a compassionate and merciful Lord. Listen, it is hard to go through struggles. It is hard to go through those times of temptation. It is hard to go through those times of suffering. But don't look at God and say, you're not compassionate, you're not merciful. No, because according to Scripture, that's when we'll see he's the most passionate, compassionate and the most merciful. We've just got to batten down the hatches, dig in our heels, and say, we're going through the storm, Amen. With the attitude, let's get real here. God, you can save me anytime you want to. <laughs> right? Yeah, let's be honest. God, I'm, I'm open. I'm <laughs> just letting you know. You know, <laughs> Don't make me go through the shipwreck. There's got to be a dinghy I can jump in around here somewhere. Yeah? But, but how do we go through patience and suffering? Well, we have to strengthen our hearts. Scripture teaches us that we have to strengthen our hearts. Well, how do we strengthen our hearts? We exercise our hearts. We do things that will build up our hearts. Once again, we know to pray. We know to read the Bible. We know to fast. We know to go after God. All these things that will strengthen our heart. A little bit of practicality to do something that's fun that will strengthen you. Some of you guys like, maybe like me, you like to cycle, or maybe you like to run, or maybe you like to fish or hunt, maybe you like to go shop. Be careful with the credit card, but maybe you like to go do that. And it's encouraging and it strengthens you. Go do some of that practical stuff while you're going through suffering if you can. James teaches us to not complain. How how do we endure patience and suffering? Don't complain. Not everything's gonna work out. And and you're you're in the middle of suffering and it looks like somebody's gonna have it better than you. But we can't complain. And then ultimately, clear communication. James says, let your yeses be yes and your noes be no. Don't make promises you can't keep. You're gonna feel like it. You're you're gonna wanna do those things, but let your yeses be yes and your noes be no. And finally, or or as we continue here, not finally. Hey, some of you guys got a smile out of that. (laughs) Not yet, not yet. We're getting there, though. We're getting there, there. (laughs) Keep praying. Keep praying. God, let this sermon end. I'm really ready. Okay. Keep praying. James teaches us in verses 13 through 18 in chapter 5 to keep praying. He says things like this. Let them pray. Pray over him. The prayer of the faithful. Elijah prayed fervently, so we pray. Once again, it's things that we know. We know that we should pray, and we know that we should do that. How many of you guys remember long-distance phone calling? Yeah, yeah. It's the phone with the cord on it, you know? It was in the houses. I remember whenever I was a teenager, and we've, we, we, I don't remember which company we were with, but my dad... Was one of the deals that they had is for like 30 bucks a month or 40 bucks a month. You could call one number long distance as many times as you wanted to, and it's only one money. You guys remember this? Yes, yes. You guys with cell phones, you have no clue, but this was actually a real thing, okay? So, so I remember we had a deal struck up with our grandparents. That's who we chose. They would let the phone ring twice and then hang up. And then we would call them back. Yeah, yeah, I'm bringing back all kinds of memories, right? <laughs> then I would call th- then we'd call them back, and it would be free on their end, and it would only be one month free, right? A long-distance calls. <laughs> and we would do that, and we'd try to spark up these different ways, because long-distance calling was expensive. Well, listen, Christ is not long distance. I can get down on my knees in my office, in my car, in my house, and all I have to do is say, God, I'm coming to you again. You said the fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So here I am, and I know that my righteousness is through Christ. So I don't have to worry about some kind of weird two rings or something crazy like that. I get down on my knees and I say, God, help me. God, I'm speaking to you again. And why? Because sickness happens. People fail. People sin. These things happen. So we go back and we pray again. And it's hard because you feel lonely because you're used to teaching. You're used to going out and building something. You're used to giving something. You're used to doing something. And whenever we close the doors and it's just us and God, sometimes it can feel like, does this even matter? Am I just hawking things at the wall or at the ceiling? And I'm here to tell you it does matter. It does matter. This is what Scripture says in the latter part of 16. It says, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. We just have to give it time to work. But it can't work until we initiate it. So I go in prayer and I initiate it this thing and i watch god be god and sometimes when i'm going through the suffering if i wonder yes it does matter it does amen Amen. it not only does it matter but it has great power it has great power to change the situation so we go into our prayer room and we repent we praise and scripture here teaches us that we pray for one another we do some confession which is called repenting Saying, God, maybe I didn't have it all figured out. Maybe I didn't know some stuff. God, forgive me and help me. And we see that we keep praying. As James is continuing here, he says this wonderful thing of don't wander off. Number four is don't wander off. See, whenever you're scattered, whenever you're separated, it's easy to wander off. Callie, my 10-year-old, whenever she was four or five, she was highly relational. You know, she'd go up and shake people's hands and greet them. So what do you think I said whenever we went to a store together? Don't wander off. Exactly. Don't wander off. Because I was thinking two things. A, one time that happened, and I looked up, and she was gone, and she was hiding up underneath some clothes. You know, your kids have done that. I'm thinking, my wife is going to kill me. That's what I was thinking. And then I thought, i got to find Callie. You know? Because you know, you know how that happens, guys, don't you? At the point that that happens, your cell phone rings, and it's your wife just saying, hey, how's everything going? Well, I lost your kid, so, you know, I'll call you back. You know that's going to happen. But don't wander off. (laughs) And on these Black Friday deals, there's nothing that causes more division than shopping. My goodness. You go over here, and you go over here, and you take this out, and then we're going to duke it out. Man, a computer is not worth a broken nose, people. My goodness, you know? And we see that in Black Friday, but we say don't wander off, don't get divided, don't get separated. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, what is he doing? He's showing us, he's, he's teaching us here that there will be some that wanders from the truth. And if it can happen to somebody else, I'm not any better than somebody else, it can happen to me. So I need to make sure during the times that I feel scattered, during the times that I feel separated, which we will during the holiday. You've got kids up here and kids down here, your, your holidays look different, and you're thinking, man, what is all this going to be listen it's easy to grasp for stuff it's easy to go after stuff that is not godly and we have to remember the most important thing right jesus christ all the food is great all the holidays are great that's all great but god can use us amongst amongst that amen and we can't let that now become the center focus it is it is important but we don't wander off and it's human to look at god in a scattered situation to look for him Say, God, I feel scattered. Are you here? Are you doing this? Are you doing that? What are you doing? And then that that, that looks tempting, so we go after it. And what do we do? We wander off. And we wander off from some truths in our lives that we know. Now, this is the hard part about that. Sometimes they don't show up until February, March, or April. So you have to be careful. You have to be aware. You have to be alert of what's going on. But when those moments that we feel scattered and those moments that we feel like that, don't wander off. And if you have wandered off this morning, I want to let you know that you can come back. In Luke chapter 15, we see three wonderful stories. The lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal son. And in all those, we see a master that's willing to go out and get those who've wandered. We see a father who looks on the front porch anticipating the moment. that 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 son or daughter will return. So maybe you've wandered off. And and I'm not talking about like you've fallen off the truck, you know what I mean? But but you've kind of scatterbrained and got your hope in some places it doesn't need to be. Some things have caught your attention and kind of pulled you into the loophole. I I can tell you from, from not knowing a whole lot about social media, social media can be a loophole. You can watch 15 videos before you know it. You can be two hours in a loophole. Well, sometimes whenever we wander off and we chase things that doesn't represent Christ, we can get lost. But you have a Father. You have a Savior, Jesus Christ, who says, come back. I'll walk with you back. He walked Peter back to the boat. He's looking, and he's desiring. So I don't know where you're at. I don't know what device you're listening from. But if you've wandered off, you can come back. He goes in, in verse 20 and he says this. This is where we'll, we'll stop today. Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. What do we have to do? We don't need to wander off, but when we, need to, when we wander off, we need to speak up. Two ways to speak up. I go after people who have wandered off. Now, I'm not Jesus Christ, I'm not the Lord, but I do know that's the behavior, and I need to act like Christ. So if I know somebody has wondered, I pray, I seek, God, open up a door, let me go after them, let me me get them back to you the best way that I can influence them to do that. And that's one way of speaking up as a Christian. Another way of speaking up is this. If you have wondered, you need to say, Christ, I'm sorry. I repent, forgive me. I was chasing something and it wasn't you and now I'm coming back. Please forgive me and he will. He'll go after you. He leaves the 99 to go after the one. He stands on the porch and he looks. Amen. Frantically, the woman looks for the coin all over her house because it's that important. Because it's all about souls. A wise man winneth souls. You take Job The most impressive thing about the story of Job is not that he got all of his houses back. Not even that he got all of his family back and things like that. The most impressive thing about Job is he never left the Lord. And that God never left him. So I don't know where you're at this morning, but I do know we can feel scattered. We can feel separated. And that's exactly where the enemy wants to make us Feel like we're at but you can come back you can speak up you can say christ come into my heart it's your first time jesus christ i've never been saved before but this is what i want to be a part of god i've wondered would you bow with me we are so thankful you joined us today we would love to hear from you at ray of hope podcast at gmail.com let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.